How many of you would like to be encouraged? Raise your hand. How do you get encouraged? You only reap what you sow. How many of you would like me to be encouraged? All right, I want you to get the giving card. Whoa, what happened? This section's laughing. This section over here, you just looked at me. It's like your faces went, who are you talking to? You got $500,000 on the missions budget, missions vision, and missions need this year. I figured there were about 300 giving units in the room today. If every giving unit made a minimum commitment of $1,000, we'd reach the $500,000 because it's already a couple hundred thousand dollars pledged. Pastor will tell you about that at the end. That's $83 a month. You know, $1,000, you could choke on that, but $83 a month, let's really get real. That's, $25, that's less than $25 a week. For some of you, that's your Starbucks budget. You addicts. If you would just get your coffee at Speedway and give the difference and drink coffee instead of a confused milkshake. <laughs> Although Starbucks was Pentecostal. Most people don't know they had Pentecostal background. People that go in there begin to speak in tongues. A caramel macchiato, hadlande, grande. Yeah. For some of you, that's one dinner out a week. And the reason to do that is we live in a time that we're having to ask ourselves the question, what now? What happened to us? In Genesis chapter 1, verse 4, God separated the light from the darkness. And then God made the, the land and the sea, and the sea stayed over here, and the land stayed over here, and God made the flowers and the vines and the trees, and the flowers stayed flowers, and the vines stayed vines, and the trees stayed trees, and then God made the birds and the bees, and the birds stayed birds, and the bees, every, everything God made stayed where it belonged until you get to Genesis 1.18, and God again says, and he separated the light from the darkness. And the reason for that is darkness will not stay where God put it. Darkness has to be defeated. Darkness has to be commanded. Darkness has to be controlled. And you and I are called to walk in the authority of Christ upon this planet to shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the way we do that is we share the word in our lives and our testimonies through our giving, through the missionaries we send, through the compassion we show. We show it through our missions work because missions is our ministry. And it's important that we do it because darkness is coming at the church right now like never before. COVID has been used as an excuse. And I'm not saying COVID is not a real disease. I'm not saying that. I have friends that have passed away from COVID. And they're in heaven today. And it was sad. But, you know, they were going anyway. I'm going. You're going. We're all going. Quit fighting the go. Just get in the box. All you got to do is get in the box and heaven's your home. I mean, it. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to get in the box. Somebody says, I want to be cremated. The fire is not what you're, I'm looking for. I'm hoping on the other side of taking my last breath, it's cool. <laughs> but
But I mean, they've shut our schools down and our children are suffering beyond what we really understand. Not only their educational development, but their emotional development, their social skill sets, their, their damage into depression and suicide. Uh, we have lost a year of education. Some people have lost a year. Some people have lost a lifetime of building a small business. It, it, what's happened to America has been horrible. And depending on where you live, depending on how damaging it is, it's the little emperors called governors each made their own rules. And then the, the sub-emperors that think they're going to be emperors, emperors the mayors, Made their own rules. And the answer is nobody is supposed to have the right by themselves to tell me how to live my life. Nobody. You need to wear a mask. I did that one time and you put me in jail. Remember when you couldn't go in a place with a mask on? They shot you? Now, if you go in a place with a mask on, the very people that talk about we're tolerant, we're loving, they're the shame people. Oh, you ain't got a mask. You don't love people. The answer is no, I pay my tithe so people can hear the gospel. You don't love people because you're a heathen. See, the cancel culture is always spurned by the demonic spirit. And I'll tell you why. The cancel culture is not trying to make anybody better. They're trying to destroy people that they don't agree with. And the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So when you see the cancel culture and you see what they're doing, you as a Christian have got to stand up. And sometimes it means not being as conveniently living. Amazon has taken a pretty strong stand about they're not going to print books that, don't, that have anything negative about the LGBTQ community. And they're taking them off the Amazon and they're not going to ship them. Guess what I recommend? Stop using Amazon. Go down there to the local box store so somebody you know can keep a job. Invest in your local community. People say, are you recommending boycotting Amazon? I'm, I never used them anyway. Men don't get stuff and send it back. <laughs> Women, it's like... You never intended to keep it in the first place. It's like, it's like, what are you doing? I was just going to bring it home and try it on. Why don't you try it home and own it at the store? Well, I did, but I want to put it on again and look at it. It's, don't ask. Okay. I'll just move right along. Get me out of the hole there. We've got to shine the light. We've got to push back the darkness, and we need to understand something. I'm going to give you phraseology. Words make a difference. We used to call it abortion. Now it's freedom of choice or right to life. The changing of language confuses the masses. Those of us that have walked in the light need to understand proper language. Abortion is the taking of a life that God is working on in the womb. The only time abortion happened in the Bible was when Moses was born and Jesus was born. It was the devil's way of stopping God's answer to a problem. I heard a famous preacher one time say, we wouldn't have cancer today had we not aborted the scientist that would have solved it. So I'm going to use phrase, God is not tolerant. You need to be tolerant. That's baloney. God is long-suffering. God is merciful. Not wishing that any should perish. But uh, the difference in tolerance and long-suffering is tolerance means, okay, you're that way and it's okay. No, no, no. Long-suffering means you're okay, that, but so, you know, 
the, the prodigal son came to himself. I'm giving him time to come to himself over in the pig pen because what you think is okay is pig pen living. And whatever it is, it's not what God wants. So God is merciful and he doesn't just judge you the first time you do it. Don't confuse the tolerance virtue with the long-suffering virtue. God is not tolerant. At the end of the book, he is going to send unbelievable numbers of people into an eternal hell. And he is a loving God. But they have chosen to reject his son. We got to get the gospel out because I don't want to stand there and God said, why didn't you tell them? Well, you know, they look mean. <laughs> if I told them they were going to put stuff on Instagram about me, I was going to get socially attacked by the social media trolls. They would attack God today. Matter of fact, they are attacking God. You know, if God wrote Genesis, he made them male and female, Twitter would say, not here. You and I need to know how to go where we've never been before. I want you to open your Bible to the book of Joshua chapter 1. While you're doing that, I've got a book out there called 2020, Hindsight 2020. It's about me looking at my life and discovering 10 things I got wrong. And what I discovered when I look back at my life is the reason I got things wrong is I had shadow motives in my life, things that I didn't see in me that were actually motivators that I didn't recognize. When David said, Lord, search me and try me and see if there's any wicked He said, I can't go deep enough in myself to see everything I need to see. Yeah, many of you know the story of how I went to prison in 1975 here in Dallas and spent eight and a half years in TDC. I think that my, one of my, my main shadow motive, I found three of them, my main shadow motive was that I was, tr I was determined to prove every day, everywhere, every meeting, every conversation, my life is greater than my shame and my guilt. Rather than just accepting God's grace, that flesh part of me wanted to prove that all the time. And when you're proving something, you hurt people on your journey. Because I don't have time to take you with me. I've got to prove something today, and you're, not, you're a distraction, not part of the thing. A person that's whole in that area will catch a vision, and they achieve it. And the difference is you bring more people with you, less damage to people on the way. Your life will be better if you'll learn to transparently introspect and talk to other people about identifying your shadow motives. And that book is not to tell you how bad I am. It's to help you take your life to the next level. Joshua chapter 1, verses 2, and then 7 through 9. Moses, my servant, is dead. So now arise and cross this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Only be strong and courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may achieve success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will achieve success. Have I not commanded you... Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you were to go to Joshua chapter 3, verse 3, Joshua chapter 3, verse number 3 in your Bible. We're going to read through verse 5. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God with the Levitical priesthood carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. However, there should be a distance between you and it of about 2,000 cubits by measurement. Do not come near it so that you may know the way by which you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. 
Verse number five, then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do miracles among you. You know, we're getting ready to go where we've never been. We're coming out of COVID, and we're going into a world that has radically changed. The politics have changed. The racial issues have changed. The educational systems have changed. Media has changed. The church is under attack from all sides. Hate is what's being promoted in the world. It is being brought into the church where a spirit of division has come into the church in a way that we've never had before. Pastors cannot make a right decision. If you have church, you don't love people that are COVID-threatening. Even though we have online service and we've done everything for people that say, I'm not comfortable yet, we want to make you comfortable and minister to you as seriously as if you were sitting in this room. Because those of you that are online are as important to this body as those that are come back. We care about you and we love you. But if you have church, you don't love people. You're a super spreader. If you don't have church, I want a pastor who's got enough faith to have church. If the pastor says wear a mask, people say, we thought you had more faith than that. I don't want to come to church because you're trying to make me wear a mask. If the pastor says do whatever you want to do, people say, I can't believe that you don't go by the CDC guidelines. And Dr. Fauci, his, his recent rule, he's got two masks now is better. We need to double up. And, uh, you know, putting a motorcycle helmet on, put the shield down, you'd just have your head stuck in a bubble, look like a bunch of Martians is what they'd like us to do. And... <laughs> When you get on an airplane, they make five announcements about a mask, and they say things like, show your love for other people. But I showed my love for other people by paying my tithe and sharing the gospel. I don't wear a piece of paper on my face to show my love. <laughs> show your respect for your neighbor. I, you know, really? Why don't you just stick your mask in your mouth and show me some respect and shut up? <laughs> now, listen, you could say I totally disagree with that. Okay. That's the point. Can we not disagree without creating division? Why do we have to tear churches up because the pastor dealt with something, didn't deal with something? Addressed something, didn't address something. You know, I, know, I saw pastors that tried to deal with the racial injustice or the justice situation and the black lives matter and the blue lives matter and the all lives matter and the Republicans and the Democrats and the rich and the poor and the black and the white and the red and the yellow and the brown and the wall, the not wall. And no matter what side they took, no matter how they tried to be everything to all people, somebody got mad. And God has a word for those people. Stop it. <laughs> Why do you want to be, well, I just got offended. What, okay, you chose to get offended. Why don't you just chose to quit? Stop it. Everything in life does not require a meltdown. Well, you know, pastor was talking about people, that, and they were sitting on the other side, and I was offended. They weren't offended. Why are you? Well, I got offended for them. Do you understand that there's a word for that? In Greek, it's called stupid. We, to get the gospel out, we got to get unified. We've all got to pay the price mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and financially to confront the deeds of darkness that are coming at the church. They're trying to pass laws that would require us to hire people that don't believe in Jesus. This is dangerous. The church in Smyrna got persecuted in the book of Revelation. It was the only church that had no rebuke from God. Everything they did was good. It's the only one of seven. One of the seven things they got charged with was they would not stop going to church when the government said to. They said, you know, we're not bound down. 
Anyway, let me give you four things we need to be doing. We're going into a new lesson. We're dealing with a new world, a new new social structure, uh, new social media. I mean, we're dealing with stuff we've never done. There's some giants in the land. But we're just giant killers. That's why I started wearing boots. Some people just need a good old-fashioned shin kicking. (laughs) Stop. Get away from me. Number one, you got to, I'm sorry, it's last service. It gets crazier and crazier. And they're laughing. They want it. When they laugh, they mean that. They made me say, I want more of it, Pastor. <laughs> Pastor saying, Stop. You don't know where he could go. I, I, I quit telling jokes, though, because I, I really did get tired of people getting offended. And, and because no matter what joke you tell, somebody gets offended. So I just started telling things that are true that are funny. Like somebody said, why did I buy a condo for my wife in Florida last year? And I said, well, that's easy. I wanted to have some place to go after the rapture. <laughs> you, you have got, don't laugh, I've got more of them. <laughs> some of y'all need to know her because you'll be with her. Anyway, if you don't give me that $1,000, you're going. So... <laughs> Number one, you got to start with the spiritual. What Joshua say, what God say, consecrate yourself. How many times in recent years have you heard a sermon about cleansing yourself from things that don't bring honor to God? Pursuing those things that are good, getting rid of those things that are troublesome, sinful, carnal, worldly. Really getting your mind right. What are you reading? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Man, I grew up heathen. I mean heathen, heathen. And in prison, they piped in music in my cell. On Mondays, it was country. On Tuesdays, it was rock and roll. And on Wednesdays, it was soul music. On Sundays, we got Jimmy Swaggart. Yeah, Jimmy was good to me. So I know all the country songs, and they're stuck in your head. Who's cheating who? Who's being true? Who don't even care anymore? You know, we used to have standards, and people were ashamed. No shame left. Travis Tritt, love his voice. I like my women just a little on the trashy side. That's really not a godly thought. I've thought about that. That's really not a godly thought. How about this one? Miss Barbara, her son played ball with my son. Heaven's just a sin away. Can I tell you that's a deceptive thought? Well, why did you listen to that? Because I couldn't control the music. You realize there's a dial on your radio? There's a dial on your TV? You can choose the books you read. You can choose the movies you see. You can choose where you go to vacation. You ever been in the wrong spot? I was in Barranquilla, Columbia, and the pastor said, get, down, get the taxi and come down to the beach. I went to the wrong beach. And I knew I was at the wrong beach when I got out of the taxi and looked at the beach. They didn't have no clothes on. I didn't have to say, well, Lord, just tell me now, did you bring me here? Have you led me here to be a witness out here? on the?" No, no. Yeah, some things you don't need. Just get back in the taxi. 
Just get back in the taxi. Some things you don't need to pray about. You just need to know what you're going to get back in the taxi. When, what is the thing of sanctification? Sanctify yourself, consecrate yourself. You know, we get ready to do so many things, and we don't do the first thing first. We're going to go take the promised land. we got to fix uh, the education system. we got to fix the transportation system. we got to fix the political system. If you're from Texas, you'd say the first thing we need to fix is the power grid. I mean, I mean we we got to get all the stuff going. And God said, no, the first thing you need to do is fix you. Fix your heart. Get your mind fixed. Get your eyes fixed. Get your spirit fixed. Purify yourself. Consecrate yourself. Let the Spirit of God fill you up. Let the Word of God flood your mind. Get so totally focused on Jesus, you're walking in the light. The second thing you need to do is learn to walk by faith. Take a different step of faith. Take a step of faith. What got you out of Egypt will not get you into the promised land. So let me say, what got you out of sin will not get you into the promises. You know, when they were coming out of Egypt and they're there at the Red Sea, God blew all night long, and the next morning they walk up and they walked across the Red Sea on dry ground. They've been in the desert. Cloud by day, fire by night. They're supposed to know more about God today than they did 40 years ago. The people that did not grow and develop enough faith died in the wilderness. They got set free, but they never got totally in. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Just go to Hebrews and read all that. God says, hey, you're going to the promised land. Okay, God, we're going to go to sleep. Just blow the water out of the way. That's not how this happens. I've been careful to study the Word. In three days, we're going to cross over. Why did Joshua say three days? Because in Genesis 1, it was on the third day that God parted the land and the water. He had a biblical principle, a precept of how God worked in three days. In three days, the water's not parted. It's still a flood. And God didn't tell them I'll part it. He said, walk into it. You see, when you're getting into the promises and you're not getting out of the bondage, you got to walk into some place. You say, God, this might not work. If this doesn't work, I could be swept away and die. I could lose my stuff. I could lose my, my, my family. I could lose it all. But you got to learn to take a step of faith when you can't see where you're going. When Pastor Bridges told me that we're gonna, I've got a vision for $500,000, I said, really? You know, just two years ago, it was in the 200s. And last year was COVID. We live in the twilight zone world. And you're going to raise your faith level? Anybody want to raise your faith level? I don't know what the other two deadbeat services did, but I believe in this one. You got to take a step of faith. You know, people say, well, I'm trying to figure out, uh, I'm meeting millennials. How many millennials in here that are struggling with getting married because you're afraid you might get a divorce? That's not the way to think. 
Well, I just want it to work out. Then you have to work it out. Well, I, you know, I don't know if, I don't, I really don't know what her issues are. She doesn't either, and you're not ever going to understand them, but you got to learn how to deal with that. I got married, went home one time. I was the greatest husband in the world, married about six months, and she's in the bathtub. I come in one day, and she's crying. And I knelt down and went into my pastoral priest of the house ministry, took her by the hand and said, baby, what's the matter? She said, I don't know. And I thought, well, crud. If you don't know why you're in a bathtub crying, I'll go mow the yard. And uh, that's what men do. We go mow the yard and uh, wash the car. All marriages start out in the sparkle zone, the honeymoon. They're like a sparkler. You think, this is going to be awesome. That's about two weeks. <laughs> then you have to build it. Well, I don't know what we might discover. Neither does she. You know, all, the, all us guys, well, I'm looking at her, seeing what I think about her. Trust me, that book out there will help you look at you, which makes her not see some of the stuff she's going to see and reject you. You need to go fix you. I don't need to fix my wife. I need to fix me. And ladies, stop trying to fix him. Well, you don't do this. You don't do that. You don't do this. You don't. The Bible said don't do that. You'll do more with a quiet spirit than a nagging spirit. God told Samson, man, it's better to live on the roof of the house than in the house with a nagging woman. She nagged him to death. And ladies say, I don't think you ought to be talking about ladies. You don't get to do that. We don't do that today because we're all unified. We all agree with Maury. <laughs> you got to learn to walk by faith. You got to learn to live by faith. You have to understand you don't know everything when you take a step of faith, but taking a step of faith brings illumination to things you didn't know. And if you're being led by the Spirit, God's going to lead you all the way to the promised land. The third thing you need to do is choose who goes to battle with you. You got to walk with the right army. You're going places. Who's going with you? If you read over in Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, God tells Joshua, I want you to take the priests that carry the ark, the people that blow the trumpet, and people that are skilled with the sword. Three people, three groups of people to go into this battle, this impregnable, this unbelievable fortress that you cannot occupy. Nobody has crimed the walls, torn down the walls, or broken down the defenses of Jericho. It's impregnable. But God said, if you'll take the right people with you, I'll give you the miracle. What do the priests represent? The presence of God. The ark represents the presence and the power of God. You need those people in your life, and you know who they are, that when they talk to you and you're upset, they just lower the temperature. When they talk to you, you want to pray more. You want to love God more. You want to read your Bible. They, they stimulate the spiritual depth, the well of spirituality that's within you. They cause you to say, I want to rise up to another level. I want to go to the next level. I want to press through. I can do this. I thought I couldn't, but now I know I can. There are people that bring the presence of God into your life. And then there are the people that blow the trumpets. They're the people that discern the times. They discern the times. It's time for war. It's time for celebration. It's time for retreat. It's time for attack. You need people in your life that bring discernment into your life that now is the time. It's time for you to get out of school. It's time for you to get out of bed. It's time for you to go to work. It's time for you to get married. It's time for you to have children. It's time for you to discipline your child. 
And this child was crying, and we were in the line to go through security, and this baby was going, and it wasn't crying, it was screaming. And this is about a four or five-year-old kid, old enough to be corrected. And the mother said, he just does that, and I don't know what to do. I said, well, have you tried spanking him? And I was like a monster. It wasn't just her. It was people all around me. And they looked at me like, how dare you say that to that mother? And I thought, how dare she bring that kid on the airplane? And I have to listen to that for the next two and a half hours. If you don't know how to do it, I got a belt. I'll show you right quick. We light that little rascal up. See, the Bible says he that spares the rod hates his children. Love chastens those that need to be chastened. Well, I just don't believe in spanking my children. Well, you can spank them or life will spank them. You got to go with the right army, people that know the times. The third thing is you need to know is people that are skilled in the sword, people that know the Word of God. What does the Bible say? You know, if we speak the truth without love, it's harsh and offensive. If we share grace without truth, it doesn't make any difference because it's the truth that sets you free. Somewhere finding that balance, how do I tell the truth and say it in a redemptive, loving way? And that's a challenge. And if you're from my generation, it's even more of a challenge because we didn't have to tiptoe through the tulips. That was a song. It wasn't a lifestyle. <laughs> How many of you even know the song? Raise your hand. The rest of you, God bless you. Don't go listen to it. It's one of those songs you ought not to have in your heart. <laughs> you need to have the right people around you. And then you need to know that it's a, it's a time of endurance. You don't just get to go around it once or twice, but it's seven times, and on the seventh day, seven times. How many people, and I'm, I'm not saying point a finger at anybody, how many people go to church one time and say, well, I didn't get anything out of it? They go to Sunday school one time. They go to small group one time. They go to youth service one time. They put their children in children's church one time, and they say, that didn't work for us. We're not doing it again. But they'll go to the gas station and buy a lottery ticket every Tuesday. What is it that we will feed our flesh repetitively, but we don't feed our spirit with the same passion? We've got to run the race to take the giants down. Point number four, you got to put God first. You've sanctified yourself. You've developed your faith. You've got the right army around you. You go into battle and victory is yours. And prosperity becomes as much of a danger to your destiny as failure. Success is seductive. Blessings can be turned into possessions, not stewards. They go into Jericho. God makes the wall fall down. The people with the sword have to fight and conquer the people that were the occupants of Jericho. And God said, don't take anything. It's the first of ten cities. It's the tithe. All of that belongs to the Lord. But Achan, one of the men, took the stuff and caused a curse to come on the whole nation of Israel. Let me take you to the New Testament where the redemption of everything happens. 
Jesus walks into Jericho and he sees a man by the name of Zacchaeus, a small man up in a tree. And he calls Zacchaeus out of a tree. Zacchaeus is a tax gatherer. He's a, a pariah. He's a social reject from the Jewish people. He's a person that they hate because he's turned on them. And he goes with Jesus to his own house. And there in the house, something happens to Zacchaeus. He's talking to Jesus. He's looking at Jesus. Maybe he's touching Jesus. He's eating with Jesus. And he has a heart change from what he's always been. Because when you're with Jesus, your heart's going to change to be for Jesus. The Bible doesn't record that he said the sinner's prayer. The Bible doesn't record that he got down on his knees and asked forgiveness. The, Bible, the only way we know he had a heart change was he opened his hand. And he said, if I've taken anything, I'm going to give it back. And if I've wronged anybody, I'm going to give them back four times. The manifestation of the change in his heart was the releasing of what he had in his hand. He moved from getting to giving, from self-serving to generosity. In just a moment, pastor's going to come and ask you to round out this pledge. Help him share the light to push back the darkness. And he's going to talk to you about filling out the form. I want to talk to you about letting God do a work in your heart. Because it comes through the head, changes the heart, shows up in the hand. Head, heart, hand. And until it gets to the hand, it's not fully developed in the heart. Giving is not a matter of dollars. It's a matter of relationship with Christ. Surrender to that relationship and a heart for the kingdom of God. It's a matter of realizing that without the preachers going into the world, the gospel being preached through compassion ministries, missions ministries, whatever, these people are lost. And how much do you love people is only a manifestation of how much you've experienced the love of God in your heart. So I'm going to pray as pastor comes, and I'd like you to bow your heads. Father, I thank you for the incredible opportunity to pray. I thank you for your blessing on this church and what you're using this church to accomplish. I thank you for the stretching of faith like it's never been stretched before. And God, I pray that in the lives of people in this room, they would fall in love with Jesus at a whole other level. They would experience the comforter in their life. They would experience the lordship of Christ in their life. They would fully surrender every area of their life, spiritually, physically, mentally, socially, emotionally, relationally, professionally. They would submit it to Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that your will would be done in this church today, on this earth, as it is in heaven. In Christ's name. God bless you, church. 